Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Um, many of you know that I've been working closely with a filmmaker, environmental activist over the past couple of months. And I have to say, through the journey, I've met some very, very interesting people, but my favorite person that I've met so far through this journey is a woman by the name of Nancy Perlman. She is so very, very, very accomplished. They don't make people like Nancy anymore. Um, she's, uh, an edu- she's with Educational Communications, Inc., Eco News, which was a television series she's developed and has been very, very passionate about Environmental Directions, which is her radio series, Contembi- Compendium Newsletter, Ecology Center of Southern California, Project Ecotourism and Earth Cultures, um, and, you know, she's an ethnic dancer, too. I mean, I, the list goes on and on, but it's somehow all related to um, the science of anthropology. Um, and, Nancy, it's a pleasure to have you on the air. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the kind words. Well, you know, there's a lot to say in an introduction about you. It's hard to condense into one opening sentence. <laughs> <laughs> well, it is problematic to try and summarize my 40 years of environmental activities, but I'm pleased and proud to have been uh, working in the conservation field since uh, I founded uh, uh, and co-coordinated the first Earth Day in Southern California in 1970 to continue to try and make our planet a better place, both for human beings and for all the other flora and fauna on the planet. The ones that you said don't have a voice to speak when we spoke eloquently about it the other day for your radio show. (laughs) Well, this is what is so important, is that we couldn't survive without the other plants and animals, and so many of them are disappearing every single day without our even identifying them and putting a name to them in, in our museums. And even the ones that we know about are disappearing, and it's frightening because if you understand the food web, if you understand the ecosystem interdynamics, you realize how critical it is that we allow all the other species a home and a place on this planet. Uh, well, it really um, is a part of who we are and what we breathe and what goes into the atmosphere. 
Um, they contribute to oxygen. A lot of people just don't understand how symbiotic we all are. <laughs> Extremely. And the problem is, is a lot of the wildlife isn't in our backyard, isn't in our everyday lives. I mean, fortunately, uh, we do have a few companion animals like our cats and dogs or horses and, and, uh, other animals. Of course, no one should have any exotic species in their homes. Uh, that's absolutely, uh, inappropriate to have uh, animals that haven't been domesticated and uh, no one should ever do that but uh, so many of these animals are out there and we don't see them and this is the problem it's the same problem with wilderness it's the same problem with the wild areas the very fact that they're wild they're out there we don't see them I've traveled all over the world to over 90 countries and I've tried so hard to see some species of animals that even the scientists have a difficult time seeing and studying. I remember when I was with a, a mountain lion expert, and he said in his seven years of research, he was able to tag them, but has maybe seen them about seven times in those seven years. He could follow their, their tracks, could follow their um, what they left behind, but rarely, rarely ever saw them. And I'm always, when I'm taking my hikes in the mountains, hoping actually to encounter uh, one of these wilder creatures. I, I'm lucky enough to see coyotes or, or lucky enough to see deer, but uh, to see a, a mountain lion would, would be absolutely incredible. I think and maybe we, we just don't see them. They're not, they're not close to us. And the problem is, is when human beings continue to expand into the wild areas, they cre- they don't create a buffer to give these these animals a home. And then there's all sorts of human animal conflicts that arise. And so we really ought to be building our our cities differently and building out, uh, building up rather than out. Well, you know, I think we see on the news um, these close encounters because. You know, if a person runs into a bear or runs into a mountain lion, which I guess they do more towards the San Bernardino area and the foothills there, um, certainly they've been seen in my neck of the woods, which is the Conejo Valley, um, you know, Ventura County. Um, you know, you, you hear of these sightings from time to time, and um, it's just happening more often because we're building more and more into their territory. That is absolutely true, and it's not the animal's fault uh, that they uh, have in- encountered us. It's our fault that we've encountered and visited their home. And it's like any time we go into anybody's own home, we have to use a different level of perception and precaution. And I was lucky enough when uh, I was river rafting up on the Rogue River, I went jogging along the trail and encountered a bear. But you have to know what to do if you're going to go into these wild areas. And it was actually rather exciting to uh, make that encounter. But, of course, uh, they're a little stronger than we are, and uh, we do have to respect them. And that's the whole point. You, you, but you can't get too comfortable with them. I know uh, I did an interview with one uh, um, bear specialist, and uh, unfortunately, he got too close. He got too comfortable. He forgot almost that they they were wild. But you can have some some incredible encounters. I was in in South Africa many years ago, uh, walking in in the national park, 
and uh, you have to understand that the the white rhino, uh, the little baby is in front of the rhino. The black rhino, the little baby follows the mother. And with the white rhino, uh, the mother came uh, after us because the baby was coming to us. And so uh, I looked for the closest tree to go climb. There wasn't any, but fortunately the baby decided to turn about 10 feet away from us. And uh, I'm here to tell the story. Uh, you know, it's, there's nothing, you're right, there's nothing more exciting than having encounters with other creatures. Um, I was lucky enough to have gone to Africa mm-hmm. and on a safari. And I, it was almost as if the baboons were the spokespeople for the entire jungle because they were like, you know, giving us looks like we have to be careful and we have to be cautious and we have to be wary. And if we were looking at their babies in a funny way, they would get, you know, very protective. It was very interesting in the way that they're able to communicate and be the spokespeople for. <laughs> they, the they do um, have such a, a role to play to, to bring us back to how uh, critical it is to give them that space. And um, the, the encounters are such that we really need to be developing more and more natural areas, more wildlife areas, so that we can have those close encounters in, in a safe and controlled way. I, I recall when I was in Borneo, uh, I had the uh, pleasure of visiting one of the orangutan sanctuaries with uh, one of the researchers who was the first person to actually teach a wild orangutan sign language. And uh, because uh, these are, are one of our closest living uh, uh, relatives in terms of the great apes, you know, along with the gorillas and the chimpanzees and the bon- uh, um, bonobos, the or- orangutan uh, still, even while he uh, knew about it, uh, he, they, he, the orangutan just grabbed his shirt and ripped it apart because of his strength. And he was just being nice and pleasant. But, you know, you have to be aware if that... Uh, uh, they are very uh, strong and beautiful creatures, but yet even in the national parks where they survive, and they only survive in uh, Indonesia and Malaysia at this point, um, they are disappearing because people, human beings, are illegally logging even in the national park. And within 10 years, if we don't put a stop to this, this incredible, beautiful species will be gone. I mean, when I started my environmental work over 40 years ago, I was giving the statistics that about two to five species a day were becoming extinct, and now the statistics is five to ten species a day is becoming extinct. It's actually increased, and it should have gone the other way around. On the other hand, finally, people are talking about being green and being sustainable, and so the change is happening uh, they just have to start being green and more sustainable sooner and faster. Yeah, I think that the, we got to the point where we certainly have changed perceptions and we've educated people about the cause, and that's, you know, greatly because of people like you who have co-founded Earth Day. I think now the part is to change people's behavior because now that they're aware of the cause, who's going to act? who's going to actually make changes in their lives that contribute positively to our environment rather than negatively? And that's a big question. I don't know how long that takes. Do you have any idea? It's not happening fast enough, and it's going to take a long time. It continues to take a long time, and we have to speed the process up. The The problem is is that we have to make individual changes in our lifestyle, of course. And I think any aware person 
is now recycling and has the recycled containers in their homes, uh, is putting in the more energy-efficient light bulbs and uh, perhaps buying the uh, organic foods or organic clothing uh, and, and making those kinds of changes. But the change that really needs to be made is not just buying a greener product. It's not just still being a consumer, but buying one that maybe was manufactured in, in a, uh, with fair trade uh, practices and uh, uh, in a factory that wasn't uh, so polluting. But the real change is for our people, and particularly Americans, who so much believe in democracy, whether or not you're on the left, the right, consider yourself a liberal or conservative, to make our democracy work. And what I find is is the people are still not participating in the public hearing process, not writing the letters to uh, not just the legislators who are perhaps uh, considering a new law, a new bill, but to the administrators who are considering the master plans. Almost every one of our parks, every one of our uh, uh, projects that uh, uh, might be being built has to have input from the public. I just went to my neighborhood meeting about our little local neighborhood recreation center mini park. I don't think the the park probably is about on one acre. What are you going to do about it? And I was shocked to hear that the the planners were planning to put one quarter of this little one acre park into a parking lot. That's not a park. A park would be have native trees and natural areas and grass and and uh, a, a green roof and all sorts of other kinds of things. Be creative, be innovative, and communicate. And I was pleased to see that, fortunately, my neighborhood had about 50 people at this meeting to present their ideas. But people need to start writing the letters. And, of course, now with the email, it's pretty easy. Well, yeah, I think that social media might change and expedite because... Perhaps. I think so. Now, listen, we have to take a commercial break, Nancy, so we'll be back right after these words. Don't go away. Stand by and hear more from the brilliant Nancy Perlman. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done. Whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain inspired really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Pop icon! Welcome back 
to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. So, Nancy, you know, I keep on reading your materials and, again, really impressed with everything you've accomplished. And it's interesting, as I read through the newsletters that you have given to me, it seems that um, education communica- educational communications, which is your nonprofit, am I correct? Yes, educational communications was founded 50 years ago, and I started their uh, environmental projects. They were involved in uh, social peace and justice uh, and arts issues, and uh, you know all these issues are really related. And so I started the Ecology Center of Southern California when I uh, got out of college and. Uh, the projects have continued to grow and, and expand since then uh, to the point that uh, we are very active in promoting ecotourism, for example, because uh, if you're going to go to a, a developed country uh, a, a versus a developing country, the developing country, uh, the people are in a, a much poorer situation and, and conditions, and uh, they rely on the the wild uh, animals and uh, the wild resources. And if you're going to say, don't cut this uh, forest, don't cut this tree, don't eat this uh, monkey, uh, those kinds of things, you have to provide an alternative source of income. And that's what tourism does. It brings in so that the communities find that uh, these tourists are not just exploiting them, but are providing them with a livelihood, and it benefits them to save these areas and to and when, protect uh, these areas. Right, and when you travel around the world, because, listen, I've met you, I reached out to you probably in September, okay, <laughs> of this year, and, you know, adored you immediately. But, you know, I've, I've learned that you are, you know, you've made two international trips since I've met you to, you know, in September. <laughs> it is now November, and, um, you know, you, you were running to Europe, and I, I think, and then you came back, and then you went to South Central America or South America? Well, I, I first went to, to Switzerland. Now, Switzerland is a very unique place, and then I went to Panama, Central America. And, and let me just compare, uh, since you brought the, my most recent trips up, and, of course, I could talk about all sorts of places. Last year, Burkina Faso, where we were trying to build wells in this uh, very poor West African country, uh, uh, visited uh, uh, remote areas and wilderness places in Canada and uh, gone to India, all over the world. But, but let's just talk about the two most recent ones. Uh, Switzerland, even though it's a developed country, they are still very, very actively involved in trying to green these uh, places uh, whether or not it's the the meadows and the Alps or in in the cities, in fact, we we went to uh, one place. I was probably the only tourist who went to a waste management facility in one of the towns where they were using the local sustainable forest to uh, fuel uh, the heating for the hotels and so forth. Uh, another historic city was um, building uh, the the, the uh, steepest uh, metro. Uh, system in, in the world right underneath, you know, a thousand-year-old buildings. Uh, they, they are very uh, interested in, in new technologies. Uh, one, uh, we went up to the top of a peak, took the cable car up, and cooked our lunch uh, with solar cookers. 
and uh, they were showing people that they, this is a viable option. And, of course, we've been trying to introduce solar cookers in Africa for a long time to try and solve the problem of uh, young girls having to walk miles and miles every day to find firewood. Now that is, And let me ask you, Nancy, you, I mean, you're doing such wonderful, wonderful things, and I know that people can make donations to your nonprofit. Oh, and absolutely. We're a totally volunteer organization and uh, nonprofit, tax-deductible, and we always appreciate donations and contributions so that we can continue to uh, uh, get the message out there via our, our newsletter, our radio show, our TV show, which we make no money on. We, we give away just to get the message out because people need to see models like the model in, in Switzerland of, of the trains. The trains are on time. People hop on and off the trains the way we hop in and out of our cars. It's viable and it's possible and it needs to be done all over the world to have a proper mass transit system. But, you know, even in Switzerland, there's no doubt we went up on a, what they call a climate path trail. They actually have uh, a hike, and I was amazed, young and old and many more older people, it seemed, than younger people were hiking up 800 feet on this trail. It takes about two hours to, to do it to see the glaciers that have melted away, have, have deteriorated, and they point out that they were fixing the river, moving the a campground and some homes because of the glacier melting. Uh, the river was flooding uh, areas that had been there for literally century, uh, you know, centuries. They were having to move places. So they have seen and documented by picture. They have the pictures for over 100 years of how big the glaciers were and where they are now. So there's no question when it comes to issues like uh, climate change and global warming and places like that. But then I went down to, to Panama, and um, here is a, a country that is trying to develop their tourism industry, and, and uh, it's a you know, beautiful tropical uh, rainforest to enjoy. We saw some dolphins and uh, wild birds on the islands, and, and uh, the, the, the people are encouraging, uh, and, and I'm, I'm hoping and looking forward to, to seeing that country develop uh, effectively, and actually they're building a metro system in Panama City as well. Wow. Well, you know, so how many of these trips do you do you take a year? <laughs> I wish I could take more because it's. Uh, I, I think everyone should travel outside of the country because you get a perspective. Oh, even in the country, there are wonderful places, and I could talk about all sorts of uh, beautiful places. My favorite, of, of course, is the Red Rock country in the southwest and in uh, Utah and Arizona and uh, Colorado area. But I, I think it's important for people to get a different perspective, see how different people are living, and the the more trips you can. Unfortunately, uh, I can't travel as often as I'd like to because now I am an elected official. And uh, going back to what I was saying about people becoming active, one of the things that they really need to do is uh, hopefully uh, support politicians like myself. I, I sort of consider myself the greenest of the green politician. Because, uh, I got elected as a trustee to the Los Angeles Community College District. And I got elected at a perfect time when the, the community was kind enough to pass bond measures to allow us to build out and renovate nine community colleges, the largest district in the, in the United States, and build out, and I got the largest, toughest, green building, public building program in the country established so that all the buildings had to be to LEED certified uh, silver standard, and now they're presenting gold, platinum buildings so that we just didn't 
you know, put a paint, uh, new paint job on the buildings, but we made them sustainable, which if you make a building sustainable, it actually saves money in the long run. And, and we built uh, solar panels over the parking lots. And let me tell you, those are the, the most popular parking spaces that people want to use. Oh, I'll bet. But you know what? Our, our, our energy. But we have to change our, our programming and our plans. We've had a difficult time with, uh, like, the Los Angeles Department of Power willing uh, to buy back our power. Uh, and so that has been uh, problems. Those kinds of areas where agencies have to learn to work together is is a major problem because uh, I would like to go uh, 100% self-sustainable. I don't like to say off the web because, or uh, you know, off off the grid because if you're off the grid. Uh, then if you're generating power, you can't put it back into the grid. So it's better to stay on the grid but be self-generating. Yeah, I wish. Well, it's great that you are really um, a, an influential in creating one of the first, you know, one of the largest first self-sustainable, you know, school well, what happened was with that green building program, um, we started in 2001, and there were about 17 lead certified uh, architects, contractors in, in the area, but everybody needed and wanted work, and now we have over 17,000. So it just shows that you can provide green jobs, and green technology is, is the wave of the future, and green jobs is the wave of the future, and uh, I would like to see more of it. I would like to see uh, um, everybody, when they're talking about this uh, rebuilding our economy and getting people back into jobs, let's just not, not go and do the same old thing. Let's do it in a bigger and better way. It reminds me when I went to Siberia to see one of the most famous lakes in the world, the deepest uh, freshwater lake in the world, Lake Baikal. And unfortunately, the Soviet Union at the time had um, uh, not been protecting this incredible uh, international uh, UNESCO site, and they were allowing factories to just pollute straight into it. Uh, the tourism industry was practically non-existent. Most people, I guess, aren't like me and think about going to Siberia for their vacation. Oh, no, probably not, but you do. <laughs> the, the interesting thing about that, it was a, a summer uh, conference that I was attending, and we arrived, and it was T-shirt weather, literally T-shirt weather. But, of course, the day we left, a week later, uh, it was snowing. So I, <laughs> I guess they just want to remind us we were in Siberia. But uh, the, the industry, uh, you know, even around the lake, they hadn't developed hiking paths and walking paths and uh, just simple things like that and, and having having just simple uh, all these places even when I was down in Peru looking at um, the wild condor a lot of these developing areas hadn't developed a tourism infrastructure uh, we're talking about you know uh, facilities uh, that every bit tourist uses after they've been on the bus for a few hours you go visit the uh, uh, they call them uh, WC's the water closets or we call them toilets restrooms and um, so I was suggesting uh, we, if you don't have an infrastructure with running water in these places, uh, I remember when I was up on, on uh, climbing Mount Whitney, uh, you know, our highest peak here in, in uh, the uh, continental United States, up in the high Sierras, there were actually solar compost toilets, and you didn't need running water to uh, have a decent, clean uh, uh, facility. So there are now technologies that can really be adapted to some of these wilder places. 
So where are you going next? (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, you talk about our nonprofit organization, and one of the new projects that we started a few years ago we call Humanity and the Planet. And this project is, again, uh, was an outgrowth of our ecotourism project, which was an outgrowth of our environmental activism and promotion. And we have uh, six uh, schools, orphanages, and uh, environmental groups in Kenya, in East Africa, that we support and try and help by collecting donated items, used clothes, used books. Uh, oh, news okay, too. Uh, but, you know, clothes, books, equipment, uh, school supplies, uh, furniture, how you name it. That they'll use absolutely anything, and they need absolutely everything. And we uh, put a, a shipping container together every year, and we send it over. And so I'm hoping uh, to uh, collect items. If people in Southern California want to contact me, just call our, our organization. Uh, I, can I give out the number? Of course you can. You can give out websites. You can give out numbers. This oh, okay. Uh, well, uh, 310 99160, uh, or you can go to our website, www.ecoprojects.org, that's E-C-O-P-R-O-J-E-C-T-S dot O-R-G, and um, in February we'll be collecting the items, putting them in the container, sending it over, it takes about two months, and then I'm hoping to go there and uh, help distribute the items, and if anybody wants to join us, they're more than welcome, it's... Um, uh, you know, we, uh, I always like to take, take a, a few days off and go to a, one of the national parks and see the, the wildlife because it's absolutely uh, an unbelievable experience to see uh, giraffes and wildebeest and lion uh, outside of cages and zoos and uh, see them in their native habitat. And, uh, in fact, I try to take some of the local Africans because, believe it or not, they, some of them have never seen all that wildlife. They're in parks mm-hmm. and in their villages. The wildlife is, isn't around anymore. And well, so I always think that they haven't seen it themselves. They we have haven't seen a, it themselves, exactly. We have to take a, com- a quick commercial break, Nancy, and we will continue in the next segment. And for those of you that are just tuning in, please come back. And um, go to the beginning of the show, a fabulous interview with a fabulous person, Nancy Perlman. Stand by. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At BR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. BR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of BR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.brpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. BR Public Relations. We do it all. www.brpublicrelations.com. Streaming live. The leader in internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Oh, my God. 
free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of BR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We are continuing to talk to Nancy Perlman and all of the causes, the wonderful causes that Nancy has spearheaded, implemented, been involved with. Nancy, when you were a little girl, what did you want to do when you grew up? (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I wanted to do what I'm doing, but I'm doing it in a different way than I thought I would be doing it. For um, my entire life, I always wanted to teach. And I did get my teaching credentials, both community college, secondary, adult. And I did teach in the classroom. Uh, as an elected official, I'm not allowed to teach in my own district anymore, so that uh, part-time work uh, had to dis- uh, be discontinued. But I feel I am teaching and have continued to teach via my uh, writing, my uh, radio interviews, my TV uh, documentaries. And um, after doing 550 uh, television documentaries and 2,000-plus uh, radio shows, uh, I think I'm still teaching, and I've written uh, the Compendium newsletter that you uh, kindly mentioned, uh, which is available to anybody who uh, wants to uh, receive a copy. Uh, we do ask a donation if possible. Um, I've been writing that for close to 39 years. So I'm teaching. Um, I also always, when I uh, took an anthropology class in ninth grade, um, I said, I want to teach anthropology. I want to be an anthropology teacher. And I did get my degree in anthropology. I did teach anthropology. And I'm still teaching anthropology because I specialized in ethnic folk dance. And I continue to perform and lecture, and uh, we have in our that that's our latest nonprofit uh, uh, project. If uh, anybody, schools, libraries, uh, private parties, you name it, we have our ethnic uh, uh, dance lecture uh, uh, programs, and we travel all over the world. In fact, you talked about traveling. Um, I went two years ago to Estonia and uh, uh, performed. Uh, we were the only uh, non-Estonians uh, performing with eight thousand Estonians doing the same folk dance on the soccer field. It's a UNESCO event. It's the largest song and dance festival, folk dance festival in the world. And um, I had to learn some Estonian dances. I specialize in Eastern Mediterranean uh, line dances, but you know when when you. Uh, I'm an anthropologist. You study wherever you go. I remember when I was uh, in Fiji covering the Eco Challenge. Uh, we went into a remote village uh, that really hadn't seen uh, uh, too many Caucasians before until uh, uh, this uh, race uh, event uh, came came into their community. Well, while we were waiting for the racers to come across, I met up with the ladies and we started singing and we started dancing. And uh, they might not have spoken uh, English, and I couldn't speak Fijian. But uh, dance is a universal language, and I have found that it's a a very, very good way to uh, communicate and to share and to be uh, become accepted. And people get really amazed. I remember when I was uh, a few years ago, um, and I think uh, I was in uh, 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 an area of northwestern uh, China called uh, Urumqi. 
uh, and I spent a week with the Uyghur people. It's uh, about a, it's an ethnic minority. Uh, they're not really Chinese. They're more related to the Cossacks. Uh, it's uh, near the Kyrgyzstan, Kazakhstan, uh, uh, um, Kazakh uh, bo- uh, Russian border. And uh, I had my birthday party uh, dancing uh, Uyghur dancing. So uh, it's uh, it's a it's a fun way to uh, communicate and to share because every culture. Uh, in this world has uh, dance and song. And, and so, you know, have, uh, that's very, what I wanted to do when I was young, and I'm, I think I'm still doing you're it. You're still doing it, and that's fabulous. And I, I realized in China that there were, when China alone has what, about? 55 uh, ethnic minorities. Right, and every each and every one of them have their own dance. Yes, and I've done some <laughs> documentaries with them and done some when I was down in the southeast area with the Dai people, uh, they're more related to the Thai people because they're on the border, and uh, they have uh, beautiful dancing. So I, I encourage people always to to try and uh, uh, get into uh, the local villages and uh, share some of the local uh, food customs and, and so forth. It's uh, educating people about the problems and solutions for the environmental crisis that we're in has been uh, really my my uh, most passionate uh, uh, activity of of my life. That no matter what else I'm doing, I have to let people know that we have to do something to to change this planet for the better. And uh, I, I would be remiss not to discuss the most critical ecological problem on this planet, which used to be talked about in the environmental community, and now uh, everybody seems very scared, but I don't know why, because uh, we didn't hear the kind of discussion we should have when this planet hit the 7 billionth person mark. Uh, we just had the 7th billion person uh, they designated actually one little girl, I think it was in Philippines or something, as the seventh billion person. You know, it's really hard to know the exact person it was, but they designated one kid uh, that number. But this planet is way overpopulated. I mean, in the 50s, it was two billion people, and that was probably the carrying capacity of the planet. We have over, uh, gone over and above, exceeded the limit of the number of people that this planet can can handle. And uh, I remember reading The Population Bomb by Dr. Paul Ehrlich, and that really turned me into being an environmentalist because it made it very clear. You read uh, uh, an article like The Tragedy of the Commons by Dr. Garrett Hardin, who was the father of human ecology uh, uh, study, uh, that field. And any of these scientists recognize that the ecosystems can only handle a certain number of uh, individuals in each species, or you go beyond that carrying capacity and you cause havoc. And we're causing havoc on the planet. And we need to take voluntary action to prevent that. We need to uh, work. And it, it's not an issue of this person versus that. We're all you know, homo sapiens. We're all human beings with various shades of, of uh shapes and colors and whatnot, but we're still the same uh, species. And so we have to look at it from a very different perspective. And this is a dialogue that isn't being discussed to the degree that it should and that it used to be in the 70s and 80s. And I think we need to bring that uh, conversation back. Well, I think I remember reading recently the Wall Street Journal actually um, did some very interesting graphs of 
what the population was in, you know, 1920 and, mm-hmm. you know, what it was in the 50s and, you know, where it's going to be in 2055. And it was really frightening. Um, you know, so what what does one do? I mean, you know, is it just a matter of going into communities where they're not aware of, you know, birth control and trying to teach them about it or, you know, what what's the practical approach to um, educating about population control in places where they don't understand it? Well, it's it's twofold. Um, the, the population in, in countries like the United States is serious because of our consumption patterns. You know, we're, we're like less than 5% of the world's population and we're using 35% of the world's energy. I mean, so our consumption... Uh, is is causing a major factor. So we have an overpopulation problem in that sense, where it's too many people and there's not enough uh, um, uh, resources to give them the quality of life that they ought to have. Uh, then you do need to provide family planning and make it available. And the United States should be funding the United Nations Population Fund and programs to, to do that. And the United States has reneged on its commitment to aid and assist. Most most people throughout the world want to limit the the number of children they have in order that the children that they do have can get an education, can be fed, can can live past you know, the five years. You know, I was just, as I said, in, in Burkina Faso where, where uh, uh, once, um, one, uh, by the age 10, uh, you, you will have uh, probably about um, one-third of, of the children will not survive to the, the age of age 10. So, you know, the, the childhood diseases, you can't just bring in and, and uh, bring in health programs to keep kids alive when you don't also bring in programs to provide the family planning so that you don't have more kids that you have to feed when you don't have the food or the resources. And, um, and on, on one level, you know, we do have technology uh, in this country. We don't have the distribution system to, to feed people. But if you even fed and, and clothed and housed and schooled everybody to the level of standard that we are, those resources don't exist. And so we have to look at the broader picture. We have to provide international aid and support in a positive way. If we weren't spending literally trillions of dollars in war and we refocused that and provided aid so that the other places in the world would appreciate our aid and assistance, we might have more peace on this planet as well. That would be a great concept. <laughs> well, listen, we're coming to the end of this segment. We have you for one more. I promised you that my show goes very, very, very quickly, but, of course, you as a broadcaster understand how quickly an hour can go in broadcast <laughs> time. So um, we're going to have one more segment with um, the brilliant Nancy Perlman, and I would love for people to check out her website, which is www.echoprojects.org. Um, you'll learn all about the many things that we've spoken about on this show. Um, and there are ways that you can give back, and there is ways that you could support these wonderful causes. And I think that Nancy is probably one of the best people who could be your your group leader. Thank you. <laughs> on this journey. So stand by. Don't go away. More with Nancy in a sec.
Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1-866-472-5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not, but she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. We're back in our final segment with Nancy Perlman. Listen, um, Nancy does have a radio show now, and it's called Environmental Directions. Nancy, where can people hear that? Uh, They can uh, hear it on stations in California and Texas, but it's simulcast on the Internet. So go to KBBK, which is... uh, off of the uh, out of the Fullerton College, and uh, they can go to our website and see the uh, distribution and how to click in and, and catch it. And uh, of course, uh, they should be listening to your show as well as my show. So. Oh, that's the one mutual admiration society. I mean, I was very very impressed with you as a broadcaster, Nancy. I want to share with my with my listeners the fact that you danced into our office and you were kind of. You know, concerned because you were late, and you you know you couldn't find your car, and you know there was all kinds of circumstances, and you know you came into the room, and you were extremely entertaining, and then when it came to doing the interview with Craig Rosebra, you know you just snapped into your broadcast personality as if you were bewitched. It was uh, <laughs> it was the most, one of the most entertaining moments that I've had in my career because I'm glad I could provide some uh, entertainment as well as uh, enlightenment. And and I do want to say uh, how uh, I'm pleased I am with your work to be uh, representing some very uh, fine uh, people and uh, the documentarian. Uh, his his film is is excellent, uh, and uh, I think it's uh, greedy uh, lying bastards. Yeah, how could you forget the name, right? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know something I want to say about uh, the importance of uh, watching these documentaries as well as as reading the books is that uh, you really get uh, the the background necessary to, to work and support 
the the best and the proper ecological uh, causes. And and his his film, as well as other books that I have read and authors that I've interviewed, have have pointed out very clearly that the scientific community acknowledges these environmental issues, whether or not it's uh, the climate change, the global warming, the overpopulation, and the, the deniers don't have the background and the expertise uh, to um, uh, give them uh, the the credit that they are being given by the mass media, and that's why it's wonderful that there are shows like yours to uh, really bring out the truth and the facts, and that's what I try to do with my programming as well. Oh, you sure do. The denialist, for those listeners of mine, because this is not really an environmental show, we're a, a general show, are, are people that are, should I say, political puppet, puppets in the scientific community? Oh, absolutely. They're being paid <laughs> um, by I think the that's people a good word. who want to continue to pollute and continue to not make the ecological changes that, uh, that I've been talking about. And um, what's what's important is that the the environment when i first started my uh, uh activities and programming the strange thing was is that i tried to get on the air on the mass media programs and they always made it a environment versus economy argument and i find it rather uh ironic that now almost every large company Every uh, a business is trying to show how green and sustainable they are and to promote themselves as uh, environmentally aware. And uh, that particular division no longer exists, and now environmentalists can uh, speak up and, and get on programs that we never could before. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true. Well, again, we're so happy that there are people like you around that, you know, can, you're an educator who can set the record straight because when people, when a group like denialists go out there in mass and they have the money behind them to That's get the, the problem, media, they have the money behind them. Um, you know, you need people who can really sort of debate and refute and you know, put perspective back into where these denialists are coming from because it's astounding to me. It's astounding that. You know, people will pay for people to lie. <laughs> well, the sad thing is, is that in this country, we aren't taking the lead internationally the way we should. We should have signed immediately the Kyoto Protocols regarding um, changes in our standards. Uh, we uh, back in in the eighties with the International uh, Conference on on Population, we were the only uh, major country refusing to sign. Uh, those we we're not out there the way we should be leading by example, leading by support, providing uh, the funds to to do more um, activities in in research, and I think that sometimes people feel a little frustrated because they're not active in the international community and they uh, or on the national level, well, then look in your own backyard, look in your own area. Within a 50-mile radius, almost everybody has some natural area that needs to be preserved and protected, and don't let it be destroyed. I mean, so, take Los Angeles alone. Uh, I've been fighting to save Bayona wetlands for decades, and we lost. I mean, now they have the... Uh, housing and, and commercial structures on one of the last wetlands in Southern California. 
Where are the birds going to stop as they're migrating if we build over the wetlands? Uh, the, the, the consequences are very severe. And uh, I, I'll never forget one, one petition I started in college. I, maybe I should reintroduce it. And uh, it was a petition to uh, try to uh, help the, um, the, the uh, geese that uh, didn't have any more wetlands to stop and that, that we needed to create the, the uh, 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 of, of species that, that didn't have to stop on its migratory route because there was no place left for it to stop. And um, it was all done in humor, but the humor, unfortunately, was based in sad fact. And the fact is, is even here in Los Angeles, we still have the Santa Monica Mountains. We still need to set aside more land, and we worked so hard to, to create that national recreation area, go up there and enjoy the mountains and enjoy seeing the Chaparral community. Uh, we still have the Chino Hills to protect. We still have the Mojave Desert. You know, the deserts are not uh, wastelands. Uh, they're not places to put our trash and our garbage and uh, our, our nuclear waste. And these are the kinds of proposals that are being proposed here in Southern California, in our own backyard. We've got over 7 million people in the county, and we're ready, ready to parcel out our, our disastrous problems to, to regions simply because they don't have a lot of people. Well, you know, the desert tortoise deserves a home and, uh, all the, you know, the bighorn sheep and, and even the, 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 you know, the, the little lizard and, and, uh, the snakes and all the other creatures, uh, need, need a place there. In fact, um, I, I recall trying to save Cyprinodon diopolis. That's called the uh, devil's hole pupfish. There were only 300 individuals left in the world, and they were found only in one water hole in the world outside of Death Valley National Park. Well, we got the, the water hole as part of the park. We stopped the ranch from pulling the water out of the water hole, which would have killed off the entire species. But every place you look, there are animals like that and places like that that need somebody to fight to save them. And uh, you can get involved in your backyard, and you can get involved in, in your own community uh, to, to try and make the, the ecological changes. Because making the ecological changes, uh, whether or not you're an environmentalist or not, will improve your quality of life, will improve y your, your status, your, your being, and, and make a better place, a better home, a better city. Nancy, and get I wanna... environmental education in the schools, too. I, I really um, loved having you on this show. Our hour is coming oh. to an end. I know we could talk for another three hours, and maybe we should. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity to share some of my concerns and activities, and I do appreciate all that you've been doing and, and the chance to uh, speak to your listeners and uh, encourage them to contact me at any time, and uh, we'll all work together to make uh, this planet a better uh, place for all. And I want to close in saying, again, your website, www.ecoprojects.org. I mean, we talked a lot during this show. We covered a lot of different areas, and I really want to encourage my listeners to go back to the beginning if they're just tuning in late, um, because there's so many opportunities to you know, really save the planet through Nancy Perlman, and I'm so impressed by her. You know, she's an educator, an environmentalist, and a broadcaster, and she has her compendium newsletter and the Ecology Center of Southern California and Project Ecotourism and Earth Cultures and, 
you know, the Los Angeles Community College District, and, I, you know, it just goes on, and she is the co-founder of Earth Day, so she's really somebody you want to know. I want to thank you, and I want thank to wish you. everybody um, a wonderful week, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Idol. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com.